Amen. It's good to see everybody in church today. Um, if you want to go ahead and grab your phones, um, you can go to Church on the Rock Huntley on apps and download that app. And actually, the sermon notes will be on there. Um, we have over 278 people signed up for the app. I think that's really cool to have that many doing it. And then we can also see how many times a day are that, that the app is visited. Do you guys know that 211 of you we're following the daily devotions in the app. So uh, that's pretty cool that you guys are doing that. So um, we're going to jump right in this today. Ryan's super job on, on, on explaining a little bit about fasting and, and even when you maybe break fast and, and it doesn't, and you maybe had some expectations you missed. I like how he did that. It was so good, Ryan. Thank you for doing that. I want to ask you today how close to God do you feel? Is that, a, is that a good question? I think it is. And have you ever thought, man, there must be more to God than we are currently experiencing. I know that I can get there if I just keep going after him and seeking things. The deepest relationships, the deepest relationship that we can have, or that deepening relationship that we can have is when we become awake to the presence of God. And I believe that there's an awakening to the presence of God that's happening in people's lives over the last few weeks. Um, you know, sometimes we can start off in our Christian faith walk with a lot of passion and a lot of zeal for the Lord. But sometimes it can dwindle down or it can begin to fizzle out a little, little bit to where it turns into like occasional burst of excitement and a few highs and a few lows. But it seems like there's a whole lot of mundane in between. But can I say today that Christianity and passionate Christianity should be the norm and not the exception? I want to say that again, that passionate Christianity should be the norm, not the exception. Aren't we vaguely unsettled about the idea uh, that we can be in a relationship with the creator, the God of this universe, and that it ends up being like stale bread? It shouldn't be that way. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, it says, Never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I want to say we can't be lazy and effortless and lackadaisical about our approach to God. Our approach to God needs to be something that we go after and that we say, I'm going to seize this moment. It needs to be that we're serving the Lord with some zeal, some fervor, some passion, some enthusiasm, and some spirit. I believe that God wants that for us. You know, we have to guard that fire. Guarding, guarding I think guarding the fire of the devotion of the heart is probably the most foundational spiritual discipline that you have. Guarding that fire and keeping that fire going. One day I asked a guy that I really respected in, in, in his faith walk, and he was a mentor to me, and I said, what is the number one thing you could say to me as a young man of God, somebody that really wants the things of God? And he said, the hardest thing is keeping your spiritual fervor, keeping alive in God. you got to keep that fan flame. You know, when our fire, the, the, the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, it says, above else, guard your heart. Guard your heart, guard the fire of your heart. For everything that you do, it flows out of your heart. 
So when that fire is burning brightly, we're like, man, we're loving life. We're loving worship. We're loving prayer. We're loving obedience. We're hearing his voice. We're overflowing. We're walking in power and love and grace and happiness and enthusiasm and all that. But man, when that fire's dim and it's smoldering, the basic commitments, the basic elements of living for God aren't there. And it seems like, man, you're not even motivated to pray or even have a hunger to, to seek God. Life can seem stale and grim and mundane. But Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, let me remind you of this. Let me remind you of this, that you've got to fan the flame, the gift of God which is in you. Notice it says it's already in you. It's already there. That flame of God is already there. Even in the Old Testament, there was a time where God came. They made a, they, they made a fire in the house of the Lord, and God lit the fire when they prayed. God literally lit it. And it was, the, it was the duty of the keepers of the house to keep that fire going. So God has come, and he has, he has put that fire in your heart but uh, through the laying on of hands and by receiving salvation. So now we got to keep that fire going. How is it that we can become content with a mediocre spiritual life? How is it that we can allow our soul to just get numb and hard and cold? Sometimes we got to get to a place where we say, God, shock me back to life. You know, there's a good news today, guys, that every person in here, every person in here can have, has a potential for a lasting, thriving, long-term relationship with the Lord. And I want to say today that God has it for us to live an entire life with a continual breakthrough. How many believe that can happen? That life can be one breakthrough after another where we're constantly, we're feeling God in our emotions. We're feeling God in our experiences, our joys, even in the difficult seasons of life. I was talking to a businessman this week and, and, and he, was, he was saying, hey, we had the worst January in the history of our company. Isn't it great? And he was chuckling and he was laughing and saying, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. So even in those seasons of life, we're, we're going through hard things. How many say that we can still say the joy of the Lord is our strength? So I want to say let's live as God intended us to live. Let's be fully awake, fully alive, fully serving, fully walking in a constant state of freshness and awareness of the Holy Spirit within us. Can anybody say amen to that? So in your inserts, if you want to look at them, the first step, I'm talking about a spiritual awakening. The first step of a spiritual awakening is going, it's where you're going past that initial decision of Christ. And you have to come to this. You have to come to a place of total surrender. Total surrender. Total surrender is kind of like the other day when that lady Vicky was up here preaching on unforgiveness. And we, she shared how she was like, Lord... I don't have any unforgiveness towards anybody because we're like, oh, we don't have that one. But then we realize that we do have that. Some of us, I think surrender can be that. Oh, I'm surrendered. I'm already doing that one. And I have to say, I was kind of in that camp uh, when I started going into this fast. But I want to, I, I started going back this past week because the Lord showed me, oh, you think you're totally surrendered, Brian? I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm totally surrendered. And he said, okay. 
the Lord took me back this week. He took me back and he showed me when I made my decision for the Lord back in 1986. And <coughs> I remember when I made that decision for the Lord, <coughs> I'd made that decision, but I didn't have any passion or power or, or stick to it. I couldn't stick to it. I couldn't keep on living for the Lord. And I'd make that decision for the Lord, and I'd go back and forth, back and forth. I remember my friends would, uh, there was one specific class where when I was living for the Lord, I always sat at the front because what happened in the back of class, you didn't want to be a part of that. And they would throw stuff at me and they'd say, hey Garfield, you're living for God now. We give you a couple weeks. You'll be back. You'll be back. And uh, they were right. So I had this up and down, wishy-washy Christianity for quite some time. Up and down. Till one day, God came to me and said, Brian, you have never really walked with me, and you have never really surrendered completely to me. And so I quit playing patty cake. I, I made a strong commitment. Man, I'm telling you, when I finally laid hold of Christ, it was radical. It was radical. It, where I came from, you went and you drove around the square. I quit. I, I didn't take my pickup on the square. I didn't go around the square. I found a farmer, and uh, he said, hey, Brian, I want you to come plant my beans for me and work for me this summer. I went to work. I worked all day on the farm for this guy. I went home, went to bed. I did that the whole summer. I didn't call my friends. I didn't go, I didn't go in town. I didn't do anything because I completely cut off those associations. I had a full-paid scholarship to play football and run, run track. I I gave that up because the Lord was calling me to go to a Bible college. I, I gave up drinking 100%. I gave up, uh, I didn't even watch, I was so into football and so into sports, I, did, I, I, I gave up sports. I didn't even watch, I didn't even turn on football until about seven years after I was saved. Are you kidding me? I, I didn't turn on a TV for about seven years after I was saved. Because I, I made like this total commitment to the Lord. I turned my back completely on the Lord. And I put everything I had into the Lord. And it got to where uh, uh, that, that total surrender, the Lord was talking to me about that this week. That total surrender brought a drastic change to my life. Well, I'm 33 years serving the Lord now. I felt like the Lord said to me in this fast, Oh, you think you're surrendered? I am surrendered to, to, to that level that I already told you. But the Lord came to me this past week and he said, we're going to do a drastic surrender like you did back in 1986. Now, I'm not going to get into the details, but me and the Lord had a talk this week and I, and I, I made a decision to put a drastic surrender to the Lord like Brian never has and I want to ask you guys to do that same thing but just like just like back just like back when I did that when I was eight when I was 17 years old there was an immediately infilling of the Holy Spirit and there was an immediate passion for God that was birthed in my heart there was an amazing change that happened because there is no more of this lukewarmness and there's no more of this half-hearted Christianity. 
You know, if you want to stay in the middle of the road, that's where you get ran over. And the reason some of you can't seem like your faith walk doesn't go that well is because you haven't stopped at this place of total surrender. If your marriage isn't going real well, it's because you haven't stopped at the place of total surrender. Any area, I, I challenge you, any area that you're facing difficulty and you're facing hardship and you're facing um, where there isn't breakthrough and, and it's, it's dead, I would challenge you to look at it and there is a place where that area is not totally surrendered to the Lord. Are you all with me today? God isn't going to compete for your heart. I remember God came to me and said, Brian, I'm not going to compete for your heart. I'm not going to play games and, 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 and do that with you. If you want to be my disciple, the Bible says in Luke 14, 26, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate, look at this. Is this in the Bible? Yeah, New Testament. Hate everyone else. I want you to hate your father. Whoa, wait a minute. Am I in the right church? I want you to hate your father and your mother. I want you to hate your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters. Yes, I want you to hate even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Hey, that's some tough, that's some tough lingo there. But hate there is an idiom that means to prefer God over. Brothers and sisters, look at me. God is not something you add to your life. God is not a little ingredient that you say, well, I've got all these pieces of my pie and God's just another piece. No, he is the pie. He is the center. He is the filling. And, and, and until he's the center and until he is the, the pie of your life, it isn't going to work for you. It's not going to work like God intended it to work. Another place in Scripture <coughs> is James 4.8. It says, come close to God. Come close to God. That's what we're doing for fasting. Fasting isn't twisting God's arm and making him do things for you. It's creating a space for him to fill. Okay? It, come close to me, God says. And if you'll come close to me, God says, I'll come close to you. Hey, wash your hands of sin. Wash your hands of sin. Just like going and wash your hands before you eat. Wash your hands of sin. Purify your hearts. Look at this. This is what hit me. For your loyalty is divided. For your loyalty is divided between God and this world. You four young men of God right here. Man, I memorize your age. I guarantee everybody's in that tug of war. But the key to success is total surrender. Amen. The key to success in your marriage, the key to success in your business, the key to success is a total surrender to where you aren't divided in your loyalties any longer. My loyalty is to God and God alone. Can somebody praise him today? The Bible even says you can't have two masters. People will say, I don't, I don't have a love for money. If you have a love for money, the way that can define is everything in your life circles around your job, circles around you getting you, uh, performance and, and getting money. So maybe you are a lover of money and don't realize it. 
When you start loving your job and you're starting to sacrifice your relationship with the Lord and you're starting to sacrifice your time and your relationship with your kids, then that's an issue that, you need, that we need to look at that are we totally surrendering to the Lord. Are you all with me today? Uh, I, I, th- these are words of truth. These are words of life. So, so, you know, the Bible says here that you can't serve two people. You'll hate one and love the other. You can't be loyal to one and despise the other. God said real clearly in, in Matthew 6, 24, you can't serve both God and money. You can't. So I want to pose the question to everybody as we're in this time of consecration and going after the Lord with all of our heart. We're coming to him and he's coming to us. I want to challenge you to a total surrender. A total surrender is what was needed then, back in 1986. And the Lord said, Brian, a total surrender is what's needed now as well. He told me that. Well, what is a total surrender what? Letting go of control? Letting go of worry? Uh, letting go of a drive? Letting go of the love of money that you drive more for lust of money? Letting go of your future? Letting go of relationships? Letting go of some hurts? Or maybe some habits. How many of you have some habits that need to be let go? Some habits that need to let go. Uh, maybe it's some hang-ups that we need to let go. You know, a total surrender is not a one-time event where you just do it yearly or weekly. It's a day-by-day, daily, moment-by-moment, day-by-day choice. Like every other Christian discipline in my life, we must learn to surrender to God on a daily basis. Now, I want you to look. I don't think I put it on the um, overhead because I didn't know for sure if I was going to use it. But I want you to look at Mark chapter 9, verse 28 and 29. I feel this is important to bring this scripture because I believe that as I'm preaching today that some of you are being challenged to a total surrender. It's time for that. It's time for that. It's time to quit playing patty cake with stuff. It's time to quit going around the same mountains. It's time to get some things broken and some things hatched out and some things behind us so we can move on with God. And guys, for that to happen, it, it requires this total surrender. Now, listen to this. The Bible says that when he had come to the house, his disciples asked him privately. He said, why could we not cast out? So he said to them, this kind can only can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. The reason I put that one in there, I want you to leave that up there, is these disciples were getting pretty powerful in the Lord. But this demon... And this particular stronghold in this individual, the life of of this person that they couldn't cast that evil spirit out of, it was a strong devil. It was a strong one. It it was it was abnormally strong. Uh, It it, it was it was it, it had a hold that there was no way humanly possible that anything could help that individual the reason I put that up there 
is we are in prayer and fasting. Excuse me just a second. felt good in two weeks the devil even wanted to discourage me telling you telling me i'm sick but i'm just pressing through i'm healed in jesus name amen i mean trying to go on a the fast that god was calling me to and feeling terrible and running fever every day i didn't i i, I made up my mind i'm not letting nothing stop me but guys the, the reason i put that up there is what god challenged me to do with total surrender there is no way on God's green earth that I can do it without him. I'm telling you the truth. The things that God told me to attack and the, God, the thing that God told me, you know, we can get where we just live with stuff. The things that God told me, he wanted that to be done in my life. And, and the things that he told me to stick a stake in the ground and command that land. The things that he was telling me to, all of it, it was detailed. There were so many things. And I had a willing heart because I want God in my life big time. And I think I'm talking to people that want God in your life big time. I'm trying to challenge you today. I'm trying to look at somebody. I'm trying to challenge you today. You look at your difficult situation that there is no help without God. You look at a healing that you may need emotionally, spiritually, or physically. You look at a healing that you may need, that you've been needing for a long time, and there's no way possible it can be done without the hand of God. You look at a marriage that you've been trying, you've been going to counselors, you've been doing this and that. Well, I'll tell you right now, husband, if you'll totally surrender, wife, if you'll totally surrender, and you'll give God everything through this fast, God will break down any barrier. If there's a habit or hang-up, it doesn't... I started chewing tobacco when I was like eight years old. I grew up on a farm. I chewed tobacco till about six years ago. Till about six years ago, in the secret, I had a habit of tobacco. There is no... I, I, I remember going to Mexico and, and, and the Lord saying, man... You, you're, you're, you are a communicator. And down in Mexico, I, I decided I wasn't going to chew tobacco. I didn't want to chew tobacco, so I went on, a, on our three-week vacation to Mexico, and I didn't take any tobacco because I thought, that'll be a good way to wink to stop it because how am I going to get it down there? I found it down there. <laughs> I found it down there, and... Man, they put some pictures up on the wall that make you, if you ever want to chew, you'll never want to. I mean, they have people's throats rotting out and, and all this stuff where I was like, holy, in America, we don't show all that. We just say, this product could be hazard to your health. Down there, they post up pictures by it. But you know what? I bought it anyway. Because it was a, it was a stronghold. I didn't even think about it, but it was actually a COTR fast five or six years ago where I put that habit on the altar. The reason I brought this scripture up is I want to challenge you to prayer and fasting. I want to challenge you. This doesn't make God do it, and it doesn't, it, it's not like a special ingredient to where 
it's a little magic potion that God stirs around. It is simply, fasting is where you are creating a space and there's a surrender in your heart like never before to where, um, you know, one person told me that they were fasting biting their fingernails. And you may think that's funny, but I thought it was really kind of cool. You know what they're doing? Every time they, they, they know that biting their fingernails is because they're worrying about stuff and they're nervous. So what they're doing in the fast is every time they feel like biting their fingernails, they're giving what they're worried about to the Lord. I think that's powerful. So, so anyway, I'm telling you that, 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 that stopping that habit of tobacco was stronger than me. I tried it year after year, many times. You know how many times you throw it out the, the window? And then you go try to dig when it gets to be five bucks a can. You go try to dig where you threw it out. All right? Whatever it is. Maybe it's a hurt from your past that you have nightmares over. That you, you see certain things, certain things are said, certain people's names are brought up. Boom, you're right back. It caused you to go in depression. You all know what it is. And don't anybody look up here at me and say, you don't have a hurt or hang up or habit. Because I think everybody does. <clears throat> and what I'm challenging this church, church to do, excuse me. So great to feel good. Believe it or not, I feel great. I mean, we're on the end of this thing. But um, um, the reason I put that scripture up is Jesus said, these come only by prayer and by faith, fasting. I want you to think about that a minute. In fact, I want you to take a minute and not only think about that, but maybe write something down on your paper. Take a minute. Take a minute. With God, all things are possible. You by yourself, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Write it down like Ryan challenged us. Write something down. Write down a wayward kid that you gave up on, Mom. Write down a wayward daughter that you gave up on, Mom, Dad. Write it down. Take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. The Holy Spirit speaking to people today. Take it to the Lord. I'm going to hit that second step quickly. When you, when you have that awakening where there's a total surrender, the next thing that happens is a passion for God is birthed in your heart. You don't have to conjure it up. It's just that there's a passion to do things. You start serving the Lord with some passion. The Holy Spirit fills your heart. And then the third step of awakening is this. The third step to awakening is understanding God's grace. I want to end with this today on understanding God's grace. The practical grace is the practical working of the goodness of God in the life of a believer. We walk in grace when we understand this. And brothers and sisters, I want you to just listen as I read off something that I wrote down. <coughs> 
it'll take just a couple of minutes. But I want you to read this off. And when I'm done, I want to tell you something about it. When we walk in grace, what does it mean? So, so to, to total surrender, to have that breakthrough in our life, to, to have that, that, that conquering that we're wanting to approach and to seize the moment and have that change that we're looking for, we have to understand God's grace. And, and here's what that means. Understanding God's grace is this, is we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So you can say, I know that whatever my habit or my hang up or my hurt is, I know that when Christ died, that died with him. So that sin loses its power in my life. When Christ died, I was set free from that power of sin. So that's what I mean when you say, when I say you have to understand the finished work of the cross. And then we have to understand number two, and since I died with Christ, I also know that if I died with him, somebody say, I'm going to live with him. That means that anyone who belongs in Christ, you are a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new to you. So if you died with Christ, know this also, that you are raised and your new life has begun. Can somebody praise him? That's understanding the work of the cross. And then we know, how many of you were water baptized? We know that when we were baptized, if you haven't been water baptized, sign up today. Get a connect card, sign up today. If you had a spiritual awakening to where you were baptized, you want to get baptized again, get a connect card and put, I want to be baptized. Put your name on it and a phone number and put it in one of those drop boxes. We're going to be baptized in February the 2nd. So when you were baptized with Christ, you were with him, when you, when you were baptized, you were with him and you were raised with new life because you trusted in the power of God that it made you alive. Here's the next thing. Number three is the finished work of the cross did this. It canceled the record of charges against us and it took them away and nailed it to the cross. In other words, we're not righteous by our own behavior but we're righteous because of his. So everything, all the rules, all the mess-ups that you do, brothers and sisters, you're going to have mess-ups. So under, what does it mean to walk in grace and understand the finished work of the cross? It means this, that every mess-up, every hang-up, everything that you have done wrong, the Bible says that Jesus already took them 2,000 years ago and he nailed them to the cross and there's forgiveness for you. It's been paid for. He disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them. You're not bound. By faith, Jesus has made us right with God and we're at peace with God in this world. Because of the finished work of Christ, we're raised with Christ and seated at the right hand of God. And Ephesians said we're made to set with him, meaning we have authority. And because Jesus... Did the finished work of the cross? The Bible says the promise of the Holy Spirit came. Because he went to heaven, the Holy Spirit came. And he's with all of us now. And finally, the finished work of the cross is we all have eternal life. Can you praise him today? Can you praise him today? 
So, we have everything we need. When I said rediscover grace, have an understanding of the finished work of Christ, that's how we succeed. Everything that we just read, I think Judy put them in your bulletin, their scriptures. Every single one of those things I just read are scriptures, so I want you to read them this week. Thank you, Lord. Every head bowed and eyes closed. How many say God's dealing with me today? And I'm having faith in my heart that I can surrender some things and I'm having hope for change. If you've got some hope for change today, I'm talking to you. If you're stirred while I'm preaching today, how many of you are like your pastor Brian, that you thought you were surrendered, but today God's calling you to a deeper surrender? How many of you have been settling for cistern water when God wants you to drink fresh living water? How many of you are settling for less in your life, settling for less in relationship, settling for less in your marriage, settling for less? If your Christian life seems mundane, dull, cold, there's a spiritual awakening for you. There's a spiritual awakening to you. God says, if you'll draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. If you'll come close to me, I'll come close to you. You take one step, I'll take two. Will you come to Jesus? If you're having to come to Jesus, if you're here and you're having to come to Jesus and you're being called to a total surrender, let me see your hands all over this congregation. Let me see your hands. You're having a come to Jesus moment. You're having a I surrender all. Put your hands up all over the church. God's calling me to a deeper surrender. Hands are up all over this church. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for every hand that's gone up today. Lord, I pray that you will give an unction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you will bring clarity on what you are asking them to surrender. I pray they'll write it down. Write it down verse by verse, uh, step by step. Write it down. And today, every hand that went up say, today, I'm consecrating my life to you. I'm giving my life the total surrender. There's no turning back from me. There's no turning back from me. There's no turning back from me. Man, I want some breakthrough. I want some life. I want some living inside of me. I want some Jesus inside of me. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As you're surrendering everything right now, the Holy Spirit is filling you. He's filling you right now. He's filling you right now with his power. He's filling you right now with his helping hand. He's filling you right now with the motivation to do it. He's giving you the strength right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Would somebody here today say that I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ? He is not my Lord and Savior, but I want to make Jesus my Lord today for the very first time would you lift your hand I'm gonna pray with you I'm looking all across this congregation for a hand raised saying I want to accept Jesus into my heart for the first time thank you Lord let's all stand today I did see that hand that came at the end let's all stand today I did see that hand that came at the end so we're gonna pray
Nobody prays alone. Somebody wants to come to Jesus today. So right now, everybody say, Dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I humbly bow my heart to you, and I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to forgive my sin. I ask you to be Lord within me. And from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. Thank you for this word today. Thank you for filling me today. In Jesus' name. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. Praise the Lord. Graydon and the band are going to sing one more song. So stay in, the, in here and, and sing the song with them. We're going to invite the prayer team to come.